welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 8th of November 2015, entitled, No Greater Love Than This. And the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 15, verses 9 to 14. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. The Gospel of John chapter 15, if you've got your Bibles open there, if you'd like to stand to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word. Beginning in verse 9, he says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that ye, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Father, thank you for the wonderful privilege that we have to be in your house this morning once again. Thank you for your word that's preserved before us. Thank you for your spirit that dwells within. Now we pray over these next moments, Lord, please. Lord, would you take and use thy unworthy servant? Would you speak to our hearts? Lord, this is a massive, massive subject that we've already said that no words can fully describe, so we have no hopes of being able to do so here this morning. But I pray, Lord, that you would use this time to speak to our hearts, to help us realize and understand and appreciate even more that there is no greater love than the love that you have shown us. And that is the same love that you've commanded us to show one another. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, as you're seated this morning, Jesus says a number of things here that I just want you to kind of keep in the back of your heads. And I may jump around and scatter around because there's no way, absolutely no way, that I can truly give justice, but I want to read a couple of passages. I want to truly on this Remembrance Day, I want you to remember, I want God's Word to speak to you, to remind you, as I stated earlier. You know, our congregation is made up of people from at least a dozen different nations. Even right here this morning, as we sit here in God's house, worshiping Him, we could look back to those great wars, and there are those of us here that None of us are old enough, thank goodness, but that our parents and our grandparents were probably fighting on both sides of those wars, were fighting as enemies one to another, and yet today, because of the love of Christ, because of Him, we are gathered together under this one roof this morning as one family. We find that as we really contemplate this morning, the love that God loved us with, the greatest love in all the world. And God has commanded that you and I express that same kind of love one to another. The world is filled with all kinds of, of love. And of course, we find that in the New Testament, there are three basic words that are used for love in our Bibles, and we're not going to go into all that this morning, but of the three, they really 
even though that sometimes the outworking may look the same, they come from different parts of our body. First of all, there's eros, which is where we get our word erotic or erotica. It is a love, if you would, that's dealing primarily with the feelings and the passion. And then there's philio. And philio is a love that goes more to the heart. It's a choosing. It's what we often refer to as brotherly love, that love one for another, of being there, of caring for one another, of sharing with one another. And then there's agape. And agape love, again, is probably the hardest of all of them to, to describe because it has a much, a much wider meaning. It embraces, it's the only love that the Bible uses to describe divine love, God's kind of love. As a matter of fact, I'm told in reading and studying, I wasn't there, but if we look back, that it goes right back to the oldest writings that we have, of course, would be Homer. And the word was used literally just a handful of times in all of the writings up until the Word of God. And once we have God's Word, then suddenly this is the Word that is used continually over and over to describe God's love, divine love, is this agape love. And, and we will try, hopefully, to get a little bit of a glimpse of just what that love is all about. It's said to be the height of all love. You see, erotica is a love that really has to do mostly with the feelings and the passion. Filio comes to the heart, and it is a love of the heart. But agape goes beyond all of that, and agape is not just something that's felt from the heart. Agape is a word of action. It takes on the whole of everything. It brings about that which you do, and it's a word of action, not just of feelings. It takes in the whole of you. We find that as we begin to look here this morning, I've heard it stated, and I would restate this morning, that love can be known only from the actions that it prompts. You see, you can, you can understand and describe and see, if you would, the different types of love that we're talking about because of the actions that they bring about. You see, erotica brings about its own actions of, of, of passion and feeling. Filio brings about its own actions of that, of, of brotherly love and, and working together. But agape... Agape is the love that goes beyond that to sacrifice. You see, agape has nothing in it that has to do with getting or taking or what it does for me. Agape is all about giving, sacrificing of what it does for others. I read the story of a lady that came to her pastor and she and her husband were having very, very serious marital problems. And so naturally when she comes and begins to describe this to the pastor, she's telling him how that she just doesn't love him anymore. She used to love him when they got married. She loved him. She cared for him, all these things. But she just doesn't love him anymore. And then she goes on to tell how nasty this relationship has gotten and how nasty that he is to her. And how the, she doesn't just want to leave him. She wants to get vengeance on him. She wants to make him hurt for what he's done to her. So the pastor says to her, I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what I want you to do. She thinks it's a great idea. She said, if you really, really, really 
want to get even with him for what he's done to you. He said, well, what I want you to go back and do is I want you to go back and just for the next couple of few weeks, he said, I want you to go back and pretend that you love him. I want you to go back and I want you to do all those things that you did in those early days. I want you to give to him, to love him, to do anything that will make him smile, anything that will make him happy. You just do it and then wait. After you've done that for about two or three weeks, then drop the bombshell on him that you want to divorce and you want to leave him. Then it's going to hurt him a whole lot worse than if you tell him now after having a fight. So she goes back and she begins doing those things, pretending those things pretending that she loves him, doing things for him, caring for him, showing him in any little way she can that she cares, but the weeks go by and the pastor doesn't hear back. And so he finally calls her up and says, what's happened? She said, oh, you know what? She said, no, said, I don't want that divorce. She said, I didn't realize just how much that I really love him. Why? Because when she started the actions of loving, love was there. See, too many times, we base our relationships on feelings, on what it feels like, how it affects me, rather than upon what we're doing for someone else, what we're giving, what we're sacrificing for someone else. And I promise you, that's what God's kind of love is all about. C.S. Lewis, whatever you may think of him, he wrote some pretty astounding things in some of his writings. And in his book, Mere Christianity, he wrote these words. He said, do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you do. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you're behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you'll find you dislike him more. If you do him a good turn, you'll find yourself disliking him less. Isn't that maybe the Bible principle that God is talking about? <laughs> when he talks about doing kind, doing good to those who would harm us, he talks about instead of getting revenge, if we do that, that it's like heaping hot coals upon their head. You see, agape love is a sacrificing, acting, giving love. It's not about what it's doing for your feelings and your emotions. Thank God it will affect all of those things eventually. But it's about what you are doing for someone else. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3, we find one of two great chapters that we're going to be looking at this morning that's dealing with this matter of love. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, in writing to this church, I want you to notice what he writes here, and then we'll take just a few points. I really only have two points to my sermon for you this morning. And the first one that I think that we can grasp from Ephesians chapter 3 when we're talking about no greater love than this. No greater love than this. No greater love than this. This agape love, this sacrificing love, this giving love, this love that is God. The love that God loved us with. There is no greater love. And that's the kind of love that we need to grasp and that we need to love with today. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Bible says this. 
Paul said, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mysteries I wrote before in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Keep that word in mind. He's writing this that they can understand, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Pause there just a moment. The apostle Paul is saying, you know, man, I don't understand. I don't understand why God loved me so much. I don't understand why God would use me to accomplish his purpose, his work. I'm the least of all. I'm the worst. You see, he's not out there with these feelings of what is this relationship going to do for me. He's saying, this relationship is doing so much for me, I can't understand it. I don't deserve it. Why? Would God love me this much? Why would God love me so much that in spite of who I am, he would do what he has done for me and allow me? Because again, the whole purpose here is this manifold wisdom of God that the church might take the very purpose that he has in the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to give it to others. Wow. He goes on. He says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in, what's the next word there? In love. In that agape love. In that God love. In that giving, sacrificing love that gives everything and expects nothing in return. He says that you might be rooted and grounded in that love. That's where we today, you see, if we love, I want you to know this love, this greater than any love. It is the foundation for our very understanding, for our wisdom, for our knowledge, for who we are and how we understand and how we not only understand the things around us, but in understanding the things of God. We cannot begin to understand God and what he has done for us if we don't understand that it's out of this agape, giving, sacrificing love that he's done everything that he has done for us. 
and that that's where we must be rooted and grounded uh, if we're going to follow that commandment to, to love others in that same fashion. He says, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. Today folks no greater love than this. No greater love than the God love, that agape love, that giving, sacrificing love. And the Word of God is telling us here that this, just as it was with this church at Ephesus, that is what our understanding is based upon. He says that the love of Christ is past knowledge. He said, first of all, that we need to be grounded and rooted in that love. What does that mean in just a simple picture? We don't need to get into deep theology here. You know, if you've got a plant, if it's going to thrive, if it's going to grow, if it's going to produce anything at all, then it's got to be in good soil. It's got to have roots. It's got to be grounded in good soil in order to produce anything on the top. He's saying to you and I, we, if we're going to produce anything, if we're going to thrive, if there's going to be any life coming from us, we've got to be rooted and grounded in what? In this love that is greater than no other. In this God love. That's where our grounding has got to be. And we'll understand that a bit more in just a moment. But notice what he said then in verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all saints, those that are God's children, those that have experienced the new birth, those that have truly been born again, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ. I don't say this to be mean today. You see, when I say that this love is foundational for our understanding, I want to say to you today, I do not think until you know and experience the love of God. Do you know and experience the love that God has loved you with when Jesus Christ hung on that cross and died for you? I am sorry, folks. That is beyond the understanding of natural man. You can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. You know, even as a child of God, I'm not saying as we've already said, we can never describe it. But the only way we can even begin to understand what our Christian faith is all about, what our Christian walk is all about, is that we are rooted, grounded in God's love. That we understand with all saints what this true, the love that is beyond all loves, what it really is all about. This love, he says, that passes knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. My Father loved me. I've loved you, Jesus says. I want you to love each other with that same love. He says, filled with all the fullness of God. 
That's the way to understand spiritual things. <laughs> That's the only way to begin to understand God. I'm saying to you, without the love of God, there will be no understanding of spiritual things. There will be no understanding, not only in this world, but of the next world. Our understanding depends on this love, this love that is greater than all, this love that is beyond all, because the word love that is used here in Ephesians chapter 3 is the agape love. That's the love that it's talking. It's not talking about the eros. It's not talking about the filio. It's talking about God's love, divine love, the love that gives and gives when you don't deserve anything. That's what Paul, even in writing this, he says, you know, I still don't understand why God loves me so, why he gives me so much, why he allows me to do the things that I do even to serve him. I don't understand, but I know this, that unless you're rooted and grounded in that love, you'll not even begin to understand the things of God. That's where that you're going to thrive. That's where you're going to be used of God. Love is foundational for our understanding. So much could be said there, but I want you to turn with me to what is often referred to as the love chapter in our Bibles, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You see, not only is this love, this greatest of all loves, not only is it foundational for our understanding anything, can you grasp that until you've experienced the love of God, you never experience the kind of love that He can love with because all of us, we are to love each other with that kind of love. But we are such fallible creatures. We are still, even as saved saints, just like Paul was here, but God. <laughs> look at all my failings. Look at my shortcomings. Why, how can you love me this much? But you see, it's only when you experienced God's unconditional love like no other can love with whatsoever, only then. And I believe this, that just as he is talking to this church here at Ephesus, that's the only way. You see, <laughs> I think I've told you the story before. It was taken in, in D.L. Moody's day when he was preaching in Chicago. And, and someone came up to this little boy that he used to attend the Sunday school there. But then his family moved to several miles away across town, and they, they didn't have any transportation, so he had to walk. So even in the cold, winter, snowing days, he would walk and walk those several miles to turn up to the Sunday school on Sunday morning to be there. And some of the folks asked him, says, why do you go all the way over there to go to Sunday school? There's churches a lot closer to you than that. You could go to one of those Sunday schools instead of going all the way over there. And he looked at him with this simple answer. He says, yeah, but they know how to love a fella over there. <laughs> they know how to love a fella over there. You see, if we're going to have an impact, not only on the big people that are in here today, but on the little people that have gone out to children's church, on the children in our neighborhood, then I'm saying that they need to be loved with this God love, with this love that is great. They need to experience, even though that agape love as they experience it through us will be nothing in comparison to God, but they need to know that. They need to feel that. They need to know that they're loved with that kind of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he 
You see, not only you say, I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, I'll tell you this. You'll never understand until you experience the love of God. That's where your understanding begins. Now, it'll go on until one day we'll be made like him. That's where your understanding begins. But not only is love foundational for that. Secondly, love is foundation not only for our understanding but for our usefulness. <laughs> it's one thing to know and understand something. It's another to actually put it to use, for it to be of any practical use, for God to use it in some way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 really deals with our usefulness when he says here, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. It's interesting as you begin to read and study anything about agape love. In our King James Bibles, it's most often translated with this word charity. It's translated many, many times in the Bible with that because charity, even though we think of it today as just giving something that needs, but the word came from that. It was a giving kind of love. It was a love that sacrificed for someone else. If we speak with all the tongues, the greatest languages of men and angels, but if we don't have this greatest of all loves, if we don't have this agape love, he said, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I might speak with man's greatest knowledge and tongues and be able to impress in man's ways, but I can do all of that. I can even speak as if the angels from heaven were speaking those words. But he says, if I do it without this kind of love, I'm just making a bunch of noise. I'm like banging on that cymbal and making a bunch of clanging, but it meaning absolutely nothing. Though I have the gift of prophecy, being able to tell forth the Word of God to others. And even though I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not this, the greatest of all loves, this God love, this charity, I am nothing. That's pretty profound. Stop and think about it. Wow. I mean, we see people with great faith, and that impresses us, and so it should. It's not saying that's bad. But he's saying here, you know, even though if you, if you have all this vast understanding of God's Word and you're able to, to teach others and, 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 and explain it to others, you've got such strong faith that you can actually see it acting. You can move mountains. I mean, the greatest of faith. But yet, if you don't have this, the greatest of all loves, this, he says, you're nothing. None of it matters without this. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Again, whoa, I've given away everything that I've got to help those that don't have. I've even been willing to sacrifice my life, and yet without this God love, this divine love. I'm doing it all for nothing. Nothing. Charity suffereth long. What does that mean? It means that charity has patience, suffereth long. This God love, this divine love, 
This love that is greater than all loves suffers long. It's not just there for the good times. It's not there just when times are easy, when things are hard, when you don't see any hope at all. It's still there. It suffereth long. It doesn't throw in the towel because things aren't as smooth and they don't feel like they used to feel. <laughs> kind of a lighthearted, funny way, but I remember, I remember reading a story about two frogs one time. We can learn from God's creatures sometimes, can't we? Two frogs fell into a big pail of cream. They couldn't get back out because they had really slick, smooth sides, and there was no way, there was no way to clamber back out of there. So they started talking to each other, and one says, well, you know, look, man, there is nobody around. Nobody can hear us. We can't climb these walls. We can't get out of here. He said, why in the world should I just keep on fighting? He said, I'm just going to give up. Sinks down in the cream and drowns. The other one says, well, said, I'm not going to give up that easy. long as there's breath in my body, I'm going to keep going. So he starts doing the backstroke. And he just swims around in that cream. And he keeps, man, he's getting tired. Oh, I've still got a bit left in me. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Surely some, something might happen. You know, if I give up, nothing. And eventually, after he stood there and pondered for so long and been patient, patient, he just jumped up out of the thing. He turned the cream into butter. <laughs> he had solid under his feet, and he was able to jump out. You see, patience, not giving up. God love, divine love. This love that is greater than all of the loves that we're talking about. The Bible says it'll, it'll keep on stroking. <laughs> it'll keep on trying. Even when there seems to be no hope, it suffers long. It's not the kind of love that's just based on your eroticism. It's not the kind of love that's even just based on your heart feelings. It goes way beyond that. This love suffers long. Suffers long and is kind. We can say a lot there, but again, kind is something you do. It is kind. It's how you react to the people around you. It's how you treat people around you. It's what you do with people around you. You see, there's no evil here. He twitches it to a negative then. It suffers long and it's kind, but it envieth not. He's saying this kind of love, it doesn't get jealous <laughs> when somebody else is having it easier than you and somebody else seems to be happier than you when somebody else seems to be having the good path and you've got the hard path. Look, I'm talking about this kind of love. It doesn't start envying and getting jealous over what somebody else has. It vaunteth not itself. It's not one that goes around. It's like we've said many, many, many times. That's why, you know, that you can broadcast to the world, you know, that, uh, that you put a thousand pounds in that bag this morning so they can know how godly and giving and everything that you are. Try to build yourself up. Well, the Bible says when you do that, you've got your reward already. He's saying this love that the Father loved the Son with, and the Son loved us with, and the Son left us commanding to love each other with, that kind of love, which is what we're talking about here, he doesn't get up bragging about what he's doing. <laughs> Feeling good about self, being proud of what they're doing. It's not puffed up. Look what a great thing. Look at all this good stuff that I'm doing. It doesn't behave itself 
unseemly, inappropriately, if you would. It seeks not her own. <laughs> We've already talked about that. It's not one to seek in what you can do for me. It's what I can do for you. It's not concerned about how it feels to me, what it's doing for me. It's what am I doing for others. It's not easily provoked. What does it mean to be provoked? It's not one that just because somebody does something that you don't like, <laughs> that it's going to give you a sour attitude. You're not going to be provoked by others, not quickly irritated, aroused, just because somebody didn't do it the way you expected it to be done. Thinketh no evil. That's a tough one sometimes. You say, preacher, but I can't help what goes into my mind. Yeah, but you can sure help what stays in your mind. You might not be able to help the fact that that thought comes, but you can help whether you dwell on it and whether you think about it. I'm talking about this kind of divine love. It's not getting irritated because somebody else, everybody messes up. Guess what? Everybody messes up. Everybody gets it wrong. Some people do it worse than others and more... <laughs> Sometimes it just shows more than others. <laughs> but the truth is, this kind of love, you see, we're trying to grasp what it really means to be a love like God loves with, a truly unconditional. It's not something that is loving you only when you deserve it, only when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's the kind of love that when being nailed to a cross by the very people that you're giving yourself for, can look and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We're talking about no greater love than this, the kind of love that God loved his son with, that the son loved you with when he gave his life, no greater love than to be willing to lay down that life. He showed that was the action that came from his divine love for you. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all those things. Again, all these things are showing us that this kind of love is something that it really, you ever heard the saying sometimes that <laughs> sin covers a multitude of, or love covers a multitude of sins? <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing. This kind of love, God's love, he says, this kind of love never fails. There's no deficiency, folks, because this kind of love is not based on your actions or your or the other person's actions, I should say, whether they deserve to be loved. It's not based on the things that anybody does or doesn't do. This kind of love is just there with a perfect, truly, truly undeserving. Something that is not doesn't have to be qualified for in any way. A love that loves despite all and keeps going despite all. A love that he says never, ever fails. He lists some of those other things that we put in high esteem, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, 
then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is charity. No greater love than this. Love is the great. It has a transforming power on the people around, on the people that it that it touches. I made a note here of a story that I read from World War II that took place on the River Kwai. The prisoners of war were being held in a prison camp. And each day they had to go through hard labor. They had their shovels that they would be given to. But, of course, they had to keep count of all these things. So when they would come back from their day's work, they would, they would go through the checkpoints, and every shovel had to be accounted for, and they were all counted. And so one day they've been out. They've been out doing their hard labor. They come back through, and suddenly the guard says, there's one shovel short. Everybody looks around. He becomes very, very belligerent takes his gun. He says, you tell me where that shovel is or I'm going to kill all of you. They could tell that he meant what he meant. Everybody stood there. And then finally, one soldier stepped forward. He stepped forward. And as he stepped forward, of course, he didn't have a shovel in his hand. He stepped forward and the guard immediately shot him, killed him. They got to the next checkpoint. They counted all the shovels again, but they were all there. There was none missing. You see, at the first checkpoint, that just miscounted. There weren't any missing shovels. But that one soldier, when it meant that all of his brothers were going to die, if somebody didn't, he stepped forward, let them take his life so that they wouldn't take all of their lives. That kind of action, because, man, they said what that did to those soldiers, it transformed them. It energized them. These men that were poorly, that were half-starving, that were sick, that were fighting each day for their lives, and yet here something transformed them and energized them because he just died for us. He didn't do anything wrong. He stepped forward and died on our behalf. But the story went on, and of course I wasn't there, but it said it so transformed these guys that the war ended not long after that, and that even these men were so transformed by the act of one that was loving with a godlike love and showing it in his actions. They were so transformed that even when they were suddenly freed from their prisons, they said that these men faced the guards that had been guarding them and treating them in such horrible ways all this time. They said, we're no longer enemies. We're no longer enemies. We forgive you. What am I saying? I'm saying you may not be able to change the world. People talk about that all the time. But I'm saying there's no greater love than this. We're remembering today on this Remembrance Sunday many fallen that have died on the fields, that have died on battlefields through the, through the years. But we're remembering that there was one that, that gave his life because, you know, of all of those that died on those battlefields, they were dying for people, countries, they cared for. 
I don't think that any of them went out there to die for the enemy that they were fighting against. And yet, no greater love than this, because this kind of God love, when Jesus died on the cross, he was dying for the very people that were crucifying him. He was dying for the very people that were his enemies. He was dying so that they could have love. May I say to you, though we can get glimpses in this, what, this is what God wants from us, is to love people like God loves them. No greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. I'm saying to you today, that's the love that God has loved you with. And you know, here's something else to keep in mind. That, you know, when we go into battles in this life, if there were things that you knew ahead of time, if there were things that you knew would give you the victory, you would most probably be pretty quick to choose to do those things so that you could know that you're going to be victorious. But in most of those cases, you're thinking of what it's going to do for you. You're going to be free and all of these things in the end. May I say to you today, that in this battle that you and I are in, though we be from nations all around the world against the one enemy, Satan, that we have, we are in this battle together. But may I say we already know who wins. As a matter of fact, it's already won. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and gave himself, he won the victory. You are victorious when you're on his side. There is no question about who will end. There's usually always questions in this world. <laughs> Even big superpower giants can stumble and be beaten and be fallen. You look through history. Time and again, those that have been the strongest, that have been the giants, they've been brought to their knees eventually by somebody else that came along, somebody else that got stronger, somebody else that was stronger. It's a cycle. It's over and over and over. No greater love than this. I want us to just go back. I want us to look at that passage once again in closing. In John chapter 15, I, I'm just praying today for a couple of things. If you are here today, you see, your understanding, your understanding is totally dependent upon this God love. You'll never understand the things of God until you experience, first of all and foremost, His love for you. His love that is like no other. And may I remind you today that your usefulness, if your life is ever going to amount to anything, if it's going to accomplish, you can do all of these wonderful things, even all of these spiritual things, but without this love that is greater than all, it all amounts to nothing. Today, if you are here, if you've never experienced, maybe you've heard about it, but if you've never come to that point of admitting your sinfulness, that there is a God that loves you so much that he loved you in spite of every one of your sins. He loved you and died on the cross knowing everything that you would ever do against his holiness he gave himself for you no 
greater love hath any man than this. The love that was demonstrated on Calvary. The God love. If you haven't experienced that, please. You know, if, if there was something I could do today, if there was something I could say today, if there was something that, that, that would make the difference, I would do it. But in the end, it's God's Word, and it's your choice. You can receive or reject that love today. And each of you will. You will hear about it and walk out of here and still not accept what Christ did for you. Or you'll receive it and understand that, no, you don't deserve it. No, you don't understand it all, but that's where it begins is with God's love. Your understanding and your usefulness as a human being depends on it. Don't ever expect to truly understand this life or for your life to amount to anything without God, without His love. May I read these words again in closing? Jesus said, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Just like God the Father, God that is love, just like he loved me, I've loved you in that same way, and I want you to continue in that same love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. There's no point if you really, 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 you know, if you love me, you'll obey me. And he says, if you keep my commandments, you're going to abide in my love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Are you empty today? Are you lacking that joy? The Lord is offering it to you. This is my, what's the next word in your Bible? Commandment. This is my commandment. This is not, I'd really like you to do this, but it doesn't matter if you don't. This is not, this is something you should do. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another in the same way that I've loved you, that you love one another with a God love, that you get past all that envying and strife and picking and choosing and what it does for you and how it feels to you. You're going to get past that, and it doesn't matter how vile they're acting and what they've done and how they've done. You're going to love them like I loved you because no, they don't deserve it, but my love isn't based on what you deserve and what you don't deserve. Jesus said, I command you that you love one another in this way, that you love one another with this love. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends today. Father, I know, I know that I've not even begun to scratch the surface even in my own thoughts. But on this Remembrance Sunday, Lord, it is my desire, we, Lord, honor these that have given their lives in bygone years because of the battles and wars that men have fought because of sin that put them there. But, Lord, many of them were there because of a love that they felt for their families, for their nations, for something they cared about. But, Lord, today we're talking about a love that crosses all those boundaries it doesn't matter what people deserve and don't deserve. It doesn't matter what good or evil that has been accomplished. Lord, it's your godly 
divine agape love, that sacrificial love, that giving love that has nothing to do with what I feel, what I want. It has everything to do with others. Lord, this is the kind of love that you said you've loved us with. You've shown us that love on the cross. Lord, here today, there are those that need to put their faith and trust in that act that Jesus Christ committed. He is their only hope. His death, His burial, His resurrection, that's the evidence, that's the proof, that's what will save them today. Lord, it's not about doctrines and it's not about churches and about denominations. It's about a person, Jesus Christ. It's about the greatest act of love in all of history. And it's about being here today receiving and accepting that love that's been shown. And Lord, for each and every one of us, some way in all of our shortcomings, just as the Apostle Paul started there when he was writing to the, to the church at Colossal, Lord, just like then, Lord, we find that but Lord, we don't really understand why you would love us like you have, why you would even use us in the first place. But we understand that it's all for the purpose that Christ came for us, for the salvation of humanity, your great love for mankind. Help us today. Lord, I pray. Help that one here today that's confused, that doesn't understand. Help them to at least begin by understanding your love. Take that step in accepting that love. Father, I pray for each and every one of us as believers. Help us to be committed this day. For this Remembrance Sunday, help us to remember the kind of love that you loved us with, the commandment that you gave to us to love each other with that same kind of love. We give you all the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.